It's showtime. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. You know, the right to bear arms is because that's the last form of defense against tyranny. Washington is fundamentally corrupt. There are more words in the IRS code than there are in the Bible. Welcome, everybody, to Blunt Force Truth. I'm your host today, Mark Young, with our trusty engineer, Matt. Well, good morning, Mark. <clears throat> so, Matt, I want to I want to start on, I've got a few things I want to talk about today, but there's something I want to get into. Yeah. And that is health. Okay. Not I'm not preaching doctory health here. I'm preaching the philosophy of it. Philosophy of health. I want you to think about something. When we look at... I want you to look at what is going on in our government. Okay. Now we see a government that is hoisting vaccines on people that we know are making people sick. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing the results of that. I mean, we've been saying that since what, May of 2020 sure. here, sure. but in reality, it's a thing now. It is really happening. Yep. And, and what are they doubling down on? Well, they're going to double down by the white house is now going to ask you to take more vaccines this fall. Because if you've been double vaxxed and double boosted and it's not working, you need to get more. There's apparently like the, the next strain of COVID's coming too. Right, which we now know is more contagious and more susceptible to those who have been vaccinated. That magic. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, what if somebody only had a predicted that and said that on a podcast, maybe? So now let's so let's move past that now let's move to treatments okay you know from being around me there are a number of amazing treatments for a number of diseases that are not available to the public on a general general basis sure. some of these are because the fda doesn't allow them some of these are because medicare won't pay for them and if Medicare won't pay for them, then your health insurance won't pay for them because your health insurance decides what to pay for based on what Medicare decides to pay for. So we're preventing people from getting the treatment that they need to get. So we look at all these treatments that people can be getting that they're not getting. The FDA is preventing people from getting it. The FDA is preventing people from even knowing that there are things like supplements and vitamins that can cure issues. We have a health system right now that is not built on keeping people healthy. We have a health system that is based on fixing you once you're broken. Keeping them pain. <clears throat> yeah. And we look at this and we and we see that first off, the old Ben Franklin adage of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is unbelievably accurate. It is so much easier to prevent someone from becoming diabetic or prevent them from getting cancer or prevent them from having, you know, COPD than it is to try to treat it once they have it. He's very quotable. <laughs> we quote him all the time. Oh, huh? it's amazing. It's so many. Um, childhood hero for me. When we, now we look at food, what kind of food is promoted? What, and think about this. Families that are that are on bridge cards, okay, what food are they allowed to buy? Sure. Milk, eggs, and cheese. Well, cereal. that'd be fine, but they can buy all the bad stuff. Right. We're not even doing anything to it's our money. Right. 
So why why aren't we using the power of the purse? Now think about this. The government will shut down your school board if you don't do what we say. We'll pull your money. But we'll give money to people to go buy groceries and give them zero guidance or zero guardrails to at least eat something that's good for them. And we'll allow them to be taken at like gas stations. Like, yep, bridge card accepted here. You're like, but there's not a lot good to eat at a gas station. And everything's double the price. Right. So at any rate, now let's take that a step further. We have, and here's where I'm going with this. It is my belief that the current government and, and and let me add one more thing. We're trying to, to, we're trying to weaken men and make men more feminine. That's a big deal, right? And we know that Gen Z's have 40% less testosterone at the same age than their grandfather had. Okay. I believe that the government understands, and I want people to, let's, I'm going to just call this out. We currently have, I, you, you could call it socialist or communist. I would say it's a hybrid of communism right. and socialism at the moment. Because uh, we still do kind of have an election if you believe that the elections have any legitimacy. It is easier to manipulate and control and dictate to a society what they will do and what they can't do when they're sick and tired and ill and out of shape and don't have the physical ability or the energy to even resist because their focus is just on trying to get better. So, and it's interesting because have you known, I don't know if you saw this, did you see the articles from some of the left-wing news which is now saying weight training and physical fitness is an obsession of the far right. I did not. Oh, yeah, this is a thing. That's interesting. They are now saying that lifting weights and being physically fit is an obsession of the far right. Being physically fit. Is an obsession of the far right. What about all the California social media influencers that are like gym bros or gym girls? They're all as liberal as they come. So they're far right, actually. They are now. Because they're fit. So it's an obsession of the far right. This is insanity. So they're trying to demonize fitness at this point. And I, and I have to ask you, why do you want to demonize fitness? Why do you want to, people to be ill? Why do you not want people to understand basic nutrition? Why is our FDA put forth guidelines that are completely upside down? Like the food pyramid is just not very accurate anymore. Oh, the food pyramid is garbage. It's the stand. You and, and let me give an example. Under the FDA guidelines, to make a drug-like claim, to say that an item can help reduce cancer, the FDA says, "Well, that's a drug claim." So, if you're going to say that, you have to have a drug monograph. So, what does it take to get a drug monograph? It takes a couple billion dollars. Billion. Billion. So you have to run all these clinical trials and do all this work at the FDA and it'll take several years and you'll spend a couple billion bucks. And now you have a drug. Now you have Viagra, you have Wygovi, whatever the drug is. Now you have this drug. There are supplements, vitamins on the market 
that have incredibly strong drug-like effects. Sure. But the FDA says they don't exist. Because the FDA says if, if you don't have a drug monograph for this, then it does not act like a drug. So according to the FDA, supplements can only assist the body in a process. They can't have a direct effect on the body. We know this is false. It is absolutely blatantly false, but the FDA says, no, no drug monograph, no cure. What would, why would the FDA do that? What would be in it for them? Money, right? It's the same thing. They need their money. And they don't want people taking anything to actually help themselves that isn't prescribed by a doctor. One, we don't want people preventing disease. So think about all these drugs that come out on the market. How many of them have you ever seen prevents a disease? It treats a symptom. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's to treat a symptom, not to stop a disease. We don't we don't get to the root cause of disease in this country anymore. We just band-aid over the symptoms. And we have a medical system that tells people that the absence of symptoms is health. The absence of symptoms is not health. Robust health is health. Way to put it. So because I'm not limping today doesn't mean I'm not developing arthritis in my knee this week. It just means I don't have a symptom of it right now. Most of these diseases that people have, by the way, are chronic. They're not acute diseases. Now, by the way, the United States is the best place in the world to be if you've gotten a gunshot wound. Our trauma centers are great. Absolutely. We have the best trauma centers. So if you've been shot, you need to go to a hospital, this is the place to be. However, we treat chronic disease like acute disease. Okay. So you come into hospital, you have a gunshot wound. I can pretty much see the problem. There's a hole in you. I need to fix that. <laughs> Maybe some really hot metal. I need to take this piece of metal out of you and sew this hole up. Got it. That's how we treat chronic disease. So you're going to see the doctor and I have diabetes, I have COPD. Okay, well, we're going to treat this like an acute disease. So we need a drug that's going to treat this. Instead of what's causing it. Except chronic diseases are never a, never caused by a single source. They're caused by a series of things. So when the patient comes in, they have type 2 diabetes, well, here, I'm going to put you on some metformin. I'm going to put you on some insulin. And maybe I'll give you a couple of other drugs. How about if I look at your diet? How about if I say, geez, you know, if we lost 40 pounds and we stopped eating sugar, I'll bet you wouldn't need any of this diabetic medication. But we're not doing that. I think that the reason is because sick, tired, out of shape people are easy to manipulate. So that's being imposed down all the way to the local hospitals. Goes through the entire system. And it's easy to do because who sets the who sets the bar for what gets paid? Medicare. Medicare even sets the bar for what the insurance company pays for. So Medicare, federal government, 
decides what kind of treatment you're going to get. So one of the things I want to say to our people is if if your goal is to resist socialism, communism, bidenomics, whatever it is you want to, to stand up against, you can't do it if you're sick and tired and ill. You need to take responsibility for your own health. We need to be in shape. And I'm going to tell you the reason why they're running around saying that weightlifting and fitness is an obsession of the far right is because they don't want people to be strong and fit and capable. That's crazy. Because those are harder people to manipulate and those are people with the energy to resist. It's part two of take away the guns. It goes right in line with take away the guns. Absolutely. Right now, the obsession is we have to take away the AR-15s. So let's go there for a minute. Biden took credit last year saying he signed, he just signed the most significant gun control legislation ever, right? He is now back on Twitter saying, well, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. It was a great step, but it didn't help. It didn't do anything. And by the way, mass shootings haven't gone down because of that. So now the boogeyman is the AR-15. Sure. Very deadly varmint. Right. And as we all know, it's a hunting rifle. Small game. That's made to look scary. And it's shooting a glorified 22. But it's the enemy. Now, why is it the enemy? It's the enemy because it looks frightening. And it's the enemy because a lot of mass shooters have chosen an AR-15 as their weapon. Now, I think they've chosen the AR-15, one, because it can hold a lot of ammunition. Sure. You know, you can find a 40-round magazine for it if you look around. You can go underground. Yes. Okay. But 30 rounds pretty standard. Yeah. yeah. So you can hold a lot of ammo. Right. But so can a Mini-14, which is the same caliber and takes the same magazine. Yes. It just looks different. But the difference is these particular attackers see themselves as paramilitary people so we see they're dressed in black they have a lot of them are wearing armor so they see themselves seed style pants right so they see themselves in that light and the ar-15 plays into their mental state of i'm going to look paramilitary when i go in and shoot the place up now the reality is you know this if you and I were mass shooters, we could walk into a place with 10 Glock magazines on our belt and a handgun and do just as much damage, probably more damage because it's a heavier caliber, because we could be firing 40 caliber rounds instead of 22s and do just as much damage with a pair of handguns as good an AR. Because, I mean, how long does it take you to drop a 10-round magazine and load another 10-round magazine? Sure. A second? Yeah, there's very little time. In fact, you could probably switch the magazine in a in a Glock faster than you could switch the magazine in an AR-15. Because the AR-15, you got a couple of things to go through, and you don't on a Glock because you can literally drop the magazine and just slide, you know, let the slide go, yep. and you're rolling. So, it's it does nothing. Now, why are they going after that one? Because they're playing, as we know about the long march to socialism, they're playing a game of attrition. Yep. Slow, slow. 
So let's get rid of AR-15s. Let's get rid of that stuff. And then next year we'll say, well, that didn't work. That wasn't enough. We need to get rid of semi-automatic handguns. So now they'll be after all the semi-automatics, which you already hear them saying they want to ban semi-automatics. Most of our people listening probably know this. Semi-automatics make up the majority of all the handguns in the United States. There's not that many wheel guns around compared to semi-automatics. And the only other option is like pump-action shotguns. That's what single barrel shotgun. That's what that would leave us. That would leave us bolt action, pump right. action, right. and revolvers is what that would leave us. And that would just be the next logical step in okay, well, they all need to go That's the idea. The idea is to make you sick, tired, weak, unarmed. Yep. And this has been the history of every dictator, every tyrannical government that's ever come into power. I'm glad you mentioned that because every time I keep thinking about this, think about like when Rome fell, what they, they looked like, how they were built. They were fatter than, you know, gladiators or early empire Romans. Everybody yep. gets bigger. Everybody's into debauchery, eating everything, throwing up at the table so you can eat some more. An unarmed group of people and the politicians at the top just wrecked everything. The, the empire fell from within. I mean, what did, what do people like, uh, Hitler do, Mussolini do. What have they what have they done in Australia now? What happened in Cuba, North Korea? These are unarmed people. Yep. We all remember that image of a sole protester standing in front of a tank in yep. Tiananmen Square. Because the Chinese were using tanks on people that were throwing rocks. And you can't leave places like that. Well, the problem is, where do you go? If, if that, as Ronald Reagan said, if the United States falls, where, where do you go? go? What's left? There is nothing left. We are we are the, last. the shining beacon on the hill, and the majority of the world is falling, and they're determined that they're going to get us. I mean, it's it is frightening what's going on sure. when you think about. I mean, think about what would happen in this country. How tyrannical would this government be if this country was unarmed? They would have no fear of anything. Yeah. On forced vaccinations. They would put things in you against your will. And Absolutely. Yeah, that's, you name it, that's what they're doing. Now, speaking of, we've gotten pretty good intel right now that mask mandates are on their way back. Didn't they start up in California already? We're, I think Washington and Oregon has some kicking in. And we're getting back to mask mandates. <clears throat> do you think, will people comply this time? We know the masks do nothing. And they've come out, the they have come out and even said we know they do. Even the CDC says they, they do nothing. I, you know, I'm very interested to see how compliant the masses would be because there's still people running around with masks i was at the hospital recently a lot there's still groups of people with masks on under their chin like i appreciate have it on i appreciate mask wearers uh, because it allows me to identify the mentally ill very quickly (laughs) and it's one thing if you're sick 
please wear one. This is a fine thing. Nobody's arguing that. It might help you keep something in. Not COVID, but no flu, spittle, whatever. But to be mandated to wear it to stop the spread of anything. Like people will say, well, then why do doctors wear masks in the OR? Let me answer that for you. The reason you wear a mask in the OR is because you run the risk of being splashed with body fluids. That's why you wear a mask in the OR. There is actually no difference in patient outcome if the doctor has a mask on or not. The mask is there to protect the doctor from an artery spraying him or something. So, and to get any mask to do anything, it requires to be an N95 or above, and it requires that it's properly fitted, which no one is doing. And doesn't it have to be swapped out like every... We got to replace it every few minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes, tops. Right. We got them sitting in our cars for two weeks. Oh, yeah. Just hanging in the mirror there, you know, for, for a year. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, what the mask does do, it deprives you of oxygen. It limits being able to get rid of carbon dioxide. And the reused masks, masks are full of bacteria. So now you're putting bacteria on your face and breathing it in all day. It's insane. Now, how about you? What are you going to do with you? What, let me ask a question. You go to a grocery store this year and they tell you, you can't come in unless you have a mask on. Yeah. What are you going to do? Find a grocery store that I can go into first. I think that would be optimal. But at the end of the day, I don't know. What am I going to not get Amazon <laughs> order everything on Amazon? I don't know what's this is. I mean, I would, I would actively not go to places. And it was even like that at the end. You remember when they were, they weren't required, but they were mask wearing is respected or whatever. They used a word that they wanted you in a mask, but they couldn't make you wear it. I didn't. So one of the things I want to remind people of is the term mandated is not a law. Oh, that's a good point. (laughs) This is how this is how we're manipulating language to make you believe it. When a government says mask is required, required is not a law. Mandated is not a law. Only a law is a law. So when somebody tells you you have to have a mask on, ask them, can you tell me the law that says I have to do this? Because there isn't one. Mm. Now, could a retailer decide that they don't want you in their store if you don't have a mask on? Um, yeah, there's probably an argument right. both ways there. Service type stuff. Same way with a shirt back in the day, and that would be a lot of the argument. Well, you were okay with wearing a shirt and shoes. Just put the mask on. The problem with most people is they just want to <laughs> get on with their life. So compliance for ease is high. I need to run into the store for 30 minutes to get my meat and bread and eggs. Fine. I'll put the mask on. Leave me alone. So I'll admit that I did some of that during the last round. That I and I had a I had a mask that was so paper thin that you could breathe through it. Or the Trump one. That was my Yeah, that's the one I had. That was super, super thin. Yeah. Um I'm not I'm not doing it this time. What'll be ridiculous it would be if they bring it back on airplanes at the airports. That's the one that was that was murderous. And I suspect that that will be because TSA has been told that mass mandates could come back. 
PSA is is that a, is that a private company or is that it's a, government? That's what it is a government. Yeah, it's right? under Homeland Homeland Security. So yeah, they don't care. But that's kind of the kind of the thing that they're going to be bringing the mass mandates back. So if you're inconvenienced by not getting a thing that you want because of that, what would you do? You're gonna are you gonna look for another <laughs> opportunity or just deal with not having it? Being uncomfortable, as you put it. Well, sometimes you know what? Sometimes first off, I've I'm glad you brought that up. I've said before that one of the great problems in this country right now is the, the aggressive pursuit of comfort. And it's that aggressive pursuit of comfort that gets people to use pain pills and keeps them out of the gym and keeps them on the couch and keeps them eating Twinkies and eating potato chips. And because these are comfort foods and mac and cheese, and it's not just about potato chips and ice cream. It's the mac and cheese and the French fries and the, the hamburgers. These are all comfort foods. And it's this aggressive pursuit of comfort that yeah. keeps us down. Now, let's th talk about politics for a moment. Why, why is the right not putting up bigger protests than they are? Because it's still more aggressive pursuit of comfort. Sure. I don't want to go do that. That's, you know, I'll just put the mask on and go do this. I don't want to show up at a rally. It's work. It's uncomfortable. It's, Correct. It's out of your comfort zone. We've gotten, this is the thing, what they say, uh, easy time make weak men. How many people do you know of who are closet Trump supporters, but they would never put a sign out or wear a hat or wear a shirt or admit that they're a supporter unless they know who they're admitting it to? Correct. Because I'd be afraid of what you might say to me or what you might think of me if I tell you that I want to see Trump back in the White House. The majority of the people that are in my circle either are out, they're minimal compared to the ones we're talking about. The majority of them are that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's literally when somebody tells you about their support for Trump, it's like they're telling an ethnic joke. They look around to see who's around them. All right, who's here? Can I say this? Okay, can, you, do you like do you like Trump? Are you okay with Trump? Yeah, I like Trump. Okay, yeah, I want to vote for him okay. too. I think he should be back in but they're afraid to admit it. This is also why polling data is always yeah. off because people are even afraid to admit it to the polling person doing the phone poll because I don't know who that is. Maybe they're giving my information out. Well, and we're, we've been talking about, you know, all the medical forms that have all this information on them now, gun registration, no matter what, they are collecting this data. And if you are that data, plus your I like Trump data is out there and we're believing that they could target, you know, supporters, People are leery. Well, think about the doctor now asking if you have a gun in your house. For sure. Like how that is related. So for me, it's like, do you have a gun in the house? And my answer is, which rooms? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did you get a little more specific on this question? My real answer is none of your business. <laughs> However, no doctor asked me that because my doctors are friends and my doctors aren't idiots. And they probably have guns in their house, too. And all of my and every doctor that I have as a friend or or uses a doctor does not work with insurance and does not accept Medicare. And the reason that all the doctors I know don't take insurance and don't take Medicare is because they're real freaking doctors who do not want to have a 
doctor government relationship. They want to have a doctor patient relationship. I don't want to be told what they need. So when you go to the doctor on your Medicare or your insurance, doctor doesn't have a relationship with you. They haven't, they have the relationship is with the payer. So the doctor is going to go to Medicare and say, okay, my patient X has diabetes, has this, has this. And Medicare is going to say, well, we'll let you give them this, we'll let you give them this, but you're not giving them this. And if you yeah, but this him, is what I need to give them. These three questions, we'll give you an extra $300. And if you go find out if he has a gun in the house and so on and so forth, we'll give you, it won't be 300 bucks, but it's, yeah, it's like 15 or 20 bucks, but but it adds up if you see, if you ask every patient. Yeah, you take every patient, you ask them if they're smoking, then you ask them if, they're, if they have guns in the house. Now, you notice the doctor is not asking, are you using marijuana? Well, that's interesting. That's Why is marijuana okay? I so, can't believe the Fed hasn't just made it legal. They're trying to. Why wouldn't they? Uh, because, well, at the moment, they don't control Congress. But the push, the push to make the push to make weed legal, it's it's legal almost every place now. And and what do we know about it? It causes health issues. It causes an amazingly reduction in IQ. That's the worst one, I think. When you meant when you first started talking about that. Oh, the drop in IQ. Tuna like was it like ten points? Ten points. That's unbelievable. Especially if you're at a hundred. Hey, right. If you're not up on the list, now you're dipping into learning disability levels. And, and anecdotally, do you not see that people are just getting dumber? We're not paying attention. We're not thinking. Because the problem is <clears throat> we're conditioning people through social media, through television, through all these different sources of information and the education system. We're conditioning people you don't need to think, you just need to be told. This is a fact, now you do this. So I was listening to, um, I was listening to Jay Campbell, and he's a health podcaster and a conservative. And he was talking about, this was an interesting conversation. He was talking about, he does private coaching. You can hire him for an hour and fitness he'll, stuff. yep, fitness stuff, nu nutrition, hormone, and you know, imbalance, so on and so forth. And he and he says people will call him, and he says they'll be new to let's say peptides, as you know, I do a lot of peptide therapy, and it's taken me years to learn peptide therapy, <clears throat> and still learning it. He says people will call, well, just tell me what peptides to take. And Jay says he goes, I'm trying to tell people, look. I can tell you what peptides I take. It doesn't mean that's what peptides you should take. You need to learn how to do this because you need to learn how to read your body and what peptides and how to give yourself an injection correctly. And, and his whole point is even people who are willing to pay him for information are not interested in learning. Just give me the answer. Just tell me the answer. Tell me what pill to take. They don't want to learn it. And, and I've said this so many times, Matt, that most people, I think most people know the functionality of their cell phone better than they know human biology. 
how to, I'll bet most people can't put their hand on where their kidneys are located or where their liver is or even heart. Pancreas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most people can't even really land their hand where their heart's located. They don't, we're not taking time. Notice the most, the most important thing we have, which is this meat suit that we walk around the earth in. We're not learning how to take care of it. And we have a government that doesn't want us to learn how to take care of it. It's a good point. They're not actively teaching. Unless you go into like medical, what do you get in high school? A biology class? Well, doctors get a half a semester on nutrition. Yeah. So there's nothing, again, like you said, it's not a preventative anything. When COVID came out, one of the first things we knew about COVID was it was going to have the greatest impact on uh, patients who had uh, suboptimal vitamin D. Did you ever hear Dr. Fauci tell people and take a vitamin D supplement? Never. And over, not overdose, but a mega doses of it are helping. No one in our government ever told people, check your vitamin D level, make sure your vitamin D levels at this level, take a vitamin D supplement. Then we had, then we found out that a very common supplement called NAC was super effective against COVID. That stands for N-acetylcysteine. So to get a little wonky here, cysteine is a precursor to glutathione. Glutathione is the body's master antioxidant. So glutathione, think of glutathione as the chemical in your body that takes the garbage out. Okay? So you have bacteria or you have a virus in your body. Glutathione takes it out of your body, carries it away. So we knew that if people took additional doses of cysteine or NAC, it would increase their glutathione, increase their resistance to COVID, because as soon as the as soon as the virus hit that body, the glutathione is taking it to the trash bin. Okay, trying to get rid of it. Now, what did the government do? As soon as we found out that NAC worked, told Amazon they couldn't sell it. <laughs> they tried to ban it. ban it, and you couldn't get it at vitamin store. Correct, sold out everywhere. So why, what was the game? Well, here's what the FDA said. The FDA all of a sudden said, we just discovered that NAC was once looked at as a potential drug target back in 1962, I think it was. So since it was the target of a potential drug study, we're now concerned that it's not a supplement, it's a drug, and you can't have people taking drugs. Be safe for them. Although for the last 30 years. For the last 50 years, years yeah. it's been it's working been fine, fine and there are and no adverse side effects. So they wiped it out. It is back on the market now because they lost that argument, but they wiped it out during the COVID. Can you get it on Amazon still? Uh, yeah, cool. it's back now. But they wiped it out during the real heart of the, the, the pandemic. that are supposed to be helping us, that, that should want the most options for helping fixing we're taking them away talk about ivermectin because that's another one i have personal experience with they demonized that shit okay sorry stuff you were told that ivermectin was horse dewormer, horse dewormer. Yep. okay 
can you use equine ivermectin to deworm a horse? Yes, sure you can. can. You can also give your horse penicillin. Yep. You can also give your horse metformin. Because the DNA of a horse and the DNA of a human is about 96% the same. <clears throat> so, yes, there are all kinds of human drugs that are used on all kinds of animals. <clears throat> we give our pets uh, diabetes shots. It's the same stuff. Yep. The it's insulin. Well, it is. So, ivermectin has been incredibly effective against COVID. You've used it. Yeah. What was your own experience? It was amazing. It was the only thing that helped me turn that corner. And I had it. I had COVID back when it was either the original or Delta, mm -hmm. which was the not fun variants. And it it worked almost a day later. I started to feel better. And it's all that helped, to be honest. And you couldn't get it anywhere. You couldn't get it anywhere, it, could it, you? Nope. And if, if you did, you were, you know, some MAGA supremacist. Because you're crazy or you want to deworm. And if it wasn't for you having your connections, I wouldn't have had it. And I would have had crazy COVID symptoms infinitely longer. Now they should have been helping giving that away instead of the vaccine. Well, we had to we had to ban ivermectin. We had to make it illegal to give patients yeah, ivermectin. Yeah. You couldn't talk to your doctor about it. Including patients who actually needed mm -hmm. ivermectin. Yep. And one of the ways we knew ivermectin work is because ivermectin is used in different parts like Africa. Uh, and those patients, those people weren't getting sick with COVID. They were taking it for they were taking water it. treatment and stuff like that. Yeah. Dysentery and stuff exactly. like that. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, these, these folks don't get COVID. COVID. <laughs> What's the story here? Uh, COVID doesn't like Africa. So why did we have to ban it? Why did we have to kill it? Well, here's the reason. There is a law on the books that says the FDA cannot release an emergency approval of a drug if there is a previously known treatment. So emergency, so think about it. We needed to get this emergency release of this vaccine. Right. So if ivermectin existed, they couldn't. So if the if the government, if the CDC and the FDA were to say, Ivermectin appears to be effective. And the vaccines would not have been. And you can't have an emergency release. That's what they were interested in. Because we needed to get that drug out. Now, by the way, just so you know, mRNA drugs, that technology has been around 20 years. Sure, just never actually been brought to market, right? Because it hasn't been safe. That's why it hasn't been brought to market. The technology has been around for a couple of decades, but no one's been able to effectively use the, the treatment. So now we rushed it to market. I believe that over the course of the next 10 years, we will see the fallout of this. Yeah. And this government, and again, I'm going to go back to us over the past three years. We've talked about on this show how Fauci's goal, the government's goal, the FDA's goal all along has been to get adult Americans and children <clears throat> on a annual regimen of vaccines. So you're going to see you're going to see a big push coming at you. You need an RSV vaccine. You need an HPV vaccine. You need a shingles vaccine. You need a covid vaccine. You need a flu vaccine. All these vaccines are being pushed now. All of them. 
the reality is vaccines are not a source of health. Vaccines, other than the mRNA, traditional vaccines are injecting yourself with a beat-up version of the disease and letting your immune system respond to it. The correct way to deal with this is to show patients how to have a good immune system. But nowhere did you hear anyone during the COVID crisis ever talk to anyone about supporting their immune system. Everybody, I want to tell you about a product called Vitalia Life, V-A-T-E-L-L-I-A Life. And that is the website, you can't do ivermectin. And there'll be a link And we're not going to tell you about vitamin D. This product from Vitalia Life, this is Nitric Boost. So what this is, is this is a nitric oxide booster. Why is that important? Because nitric oxide, which the discovery of it won the Nobel Prize some years back, several years back, is the first molecule that was discovered in the human body that communicates to other cells. And what nitric oxide does, it tells your arteries to relax, to open up, to have more blood flow. So it's critical for great cardio health, for great cardiac health. It also works for something else. So now I'm going to talk to the guys out there. A a lot of people use drugs for ED, stuff like Viagra, Cialis, uh, Levitra. These products, what those products do is those products actually help accumulate nitric oxide in your body and make it available for when you need it, or as they say in their ads, when the time is right. Here's the problem. When you take those drugs, if your body doesn't have nitric oxide in it, they don't work. They can only work as well as the amount of nitric oxide you have on board. So you want to have, if you're using these drugs, you want to have nitric oxide on board. Now, by the way, a lot of people will find out that when they resolve the nitric oxide problem, uh, they've literally resolved the ED problem and they don't even need the drugs. Uh, The other thing that's good about nitric oxide, uh, just so you know, it will enhance vitality. It's heart health. It will give you more energy. It can even help lower blood pressure. So I want you to take a look at this. This is great stuff. I take, I'm going to tell you right now, I take a lot of nitric oxide. Vatelia Life, V-A-T-E-L-L-I-A, life.com. You can go there and use the uh, promo code BFT, like Blunt Force Truth, and that will get you a 10% discount. Or you can sign up for the membership, and your first month, I believe, is free. I think you just pay shipping and handling. Uh, Try it out. And uh, drop me an email, send me a note, let me know how you're using it and uh, how you like it. And, you know, another, I'll tell you another great, great uh, substance that was super powerful against COVID, melatonin. Because melatonin happens to be a tremendous antioxidant. Now, let me, I'm going to kind of wandering around here today, but I want to touch on this. Wander on. Melatonin. People know melatonin as something they take to try to fall asleep better. Melatonin is a hormone. And as the sun goes down and it becomes nighttime, and when the sun comes up in the morning, your body creates hormones to make you alert and to keep you up, called cortisol. So cortisol levels spike, be alert, wake up. And as the day goes on, 
and the sun starts to go down, as our eyes start to see yellow, red, and darkness, the cortisol stops being produced and our body starts producing melatonin. Now, this is one of the reasons why we have so many sleeping problems in America, because the light emitted by phones, iPads, and TVs is on the same blue light spectrum as the sun. And as long as people are looking at devices all night, those devices are telling your hormonal system, your endocrine system, it's daytime, be alert. Keep your cortisol flowing. Right. So you're laying in bed. I can't fall asleep. I'll look at Facebook. Perfect idea. Let me stare into my phone. And you've seen this. You've been at a movie theater. It's a dark room. Somebody picks their phone up and their face lights up blue, doesn't it? No matter, you know, it's not blue on the screen, but the light reflecting on their face is blue light. And that's what we use to be alert. So a little sleeping issue. Now back to my melatonin. Science has now shown us that cancer will not grow in the, in the presence of melatonin. So we now know that cancer doesn't grow at night. Cancer grows in the day. The reason cancer doesn't grow in the night is because at nighttime, it's exposed to melatonin and melatonin stops cancer replication. Is it, is it on a cyclical basis at night or if you kept a cancer patient in the dark, is melatonin still being generated or not? No, but you could supplement them all day long with melatonin. Because that cortisol doesn't help it. It just melatonin blocks it. So the interesting thing is we now know we can give a patient melatonin first thing in the morning and it won't make them tired. And the reason is, is because as long as their eyes are still seeing light, you're still getting your cortisol, which means you're still alert. It won't make you tired. It won't make you tired until you put the lights out. So we now have evidence that shows us that people can take, and think about it, you take like three milligrams to go to sleep. We now know that people can take 200, 250 milligrams of melatonin throughout the day, just, you know, 50 at a time, and pretty much arrest cancer. Why is this treatment not being used? Probably cheap. Melatonin is dirt cheap. And, you know, the FDA doesn't sound what can you buy a bottle of melatonin for? 10 bucks, 20 bucks? You didn't need to pay their $2 billion for a monograph. So the government says, well, if you want to use melatonin as cancer treatment, it needs to get a monograph. Who will spend $2 billion to monograph a, an item that cannot be patented because it's too old and has been in the market too long? So you can't patent it. So because you can't patent it, you can't charge $1,000 a month to use it. Because we can't charge $1,000 a month to use it, no one is going to spend $2 billion to get a monograph, which, by the way, I agree with. It makes no sense to spend $2 billion on a molecule that everybody can knock off. But if our government cared about our health, our government would say, we don't care if a drug company is making money on melatonin or not, we want our we yeah, want our to constituency healthy. to be healthy. Let's do it. Let's start putting these reports into the marketplace and let's start showing people 
that frequent constant use of melatonin can arrest their cancer. So when you think about cancer treatment in this country, we focus on cancer treatment being, and it's it's a mental thing. You go to the doctor, doctor says you have cancer. It's a benchmark in your life. It's it's a moment that you never forget. And what's the first thing to think that you think of? I need to get this out of me. Or you're going to get on the... You're going to do chemo. chemo. You're going to do radiation. You're going to do surgery. Cut, burn, poison. Yep. And that's what's in your mind. What's in your mind is I got to get this out of me. What should be in people's minds is, do I need to get this out of me? Or can I manage this and live for the next 30, 40 years managing it? Well, guess what? If I manage it with melatonin, nobody got rich doing that. You ever looked at the bills for chemotherapy? Sure. Oh, it's phenomenal. That, I mean, it's an industry. Treating cancer is a big business. In bed, parts of our government, it seems, that are keeping that a big business. Big business. Okay, what else? If you go to Germany, now get this, you go to Germany and you have cancer, first treatment they're going to put you on are injections of a molecule that's made from mistletoe. Huh. You're going to take three mistletoe injections per week. And what will that mistletoe do for you? It does two things. One, it arrests the cancer. Two, it radically boosts the immune system. Yes. Now, why do you want to radically boost the immune system? Because the immune system is the correct way to kill cancer. The reason cancer affects older people more than younger people is because the immune system is broken down. We all get cancer cells every day. And our immune system, we get 50, 100,000 cancer cells a day. Our immune system kills them off. Life goes on. As we get older, the immune system weakens and eventually the immune system drops off around 63 to 65. And that's when you see the majority of the cancer cases. So we could, just like COVID, we could go back to those patients and say, look, we need to beef up your immune system. There are all kinds of drugs, all kinds of peptides, all kinds of supplements that we can take to boost that immune system up. We're not telling people that. I'm going to tell you about one other treatment for cancer. There's another treatment which is called SOT, supportive oglionucleotide therapy. So what is that? Well, that's when they actually take your cancer and run your cancer's DNA. So literally run the DNA of your cancer. And then they, they build a, a drug that just fits your cancer cell. Now, the beauty of this is when I give you chemo, I'm just killing everything and hoping the cancer dies yeah. before you do. Right. When I use SOT, I'm giving you something that only affects a cancer cell. And what it does to that cancer cell, think of the, think of the drug as a key and the cancer cell as a lock because mm -hmm. every cell has a receptor where it takes in nutrients. The key goes in the lock, turns the lock, and blocks the receptor so the cancer cell cannot get any nourishment. Yeah. So the cancer cell starts death. It just dies off. It goes into what's called apoptosis. <clears throat> and you just let the cancer die a natural death. 
We're not doing that. Why are we not doing it? Because those are not covered by Medicare. Now, here's the part that will really get you. I can bill you $60,000 for a chemotherapy treatment, but they won't pay $5,000 for an SOT treatment or pay $300 a month for mistletoe injections. It's the same problem with, uh, you know, contraception versus abortion. They'll pay for one, but not the other. We don't like preventing anything. Right. I'm. My whole point in all this today, folks, is our government is not looking out for us. If you think that you can count on the CDC and the FDA and Medicare and Medicaid to give you good advice, to take care of your health, you are living in a fantasy world remember how they did with COVID. The responsibility is on you. Now, by the way, let's say the COVID makes a resurgent. Go take care of your immune system. Go check your vitamin D levels. Start taking NAC. Take some melatonin. Uh, you can use some vitamin C. Get off the couch. Build up your immune system. It's, it's not that difficult. One of the things that we covered <clears throat> about viruses is when you look at a virus, and I'm going to switch a couple of items here. When you look at a virus, the goal of a virus is to survive. Right. Yeah, it wants to live. It wants to live. So it needs to be contagious. So it needs to be two things. It needs to be less virulent and more contagious. So when COVID first hit, the reason it was so virulent <clears throat> So the reason it was killing people was because these were people with deeply compromised immune systems. That's why it was ravaging senior centers. People with compromised immune systems. And it had gain-of-function testing done on it, so it was made yes. to be virulent. But here's what we know about a virus. Even if you make the virus in a laboratory, which, of course, no one would do that ever, but... If you even made it in a laboratory and released it into the public, the virus will still quickly mutate because the virus, the virus wants to live and the virus doesn't live if it kills its host. So the virus be quickly becomes less virulent, but more contagious. Now, we told people that in May of 2020, we were heretics. I was practicing bad medicine. There were people on Twitter saying, I need to have my medical license pulled. Yeah. Which, by the way, folks, that's not yeah. the type of doctor I am. But there were people who were getting rallies to pull my medical license. I was right. In almost every case of our early reporting on COVID, we've been proven correct. Just look at the most recent uh, variant, Omicron. as That was the mm -hmm. biggest. It is absolutely less lethal and absolutely more contagious. And it's like having a cold. So, oh, yeah, COVID's coming. Ooh. <laughs> so, so the reality is, even when a virus is a pandemic, which happens like once every hundred years, not every three, even when there's a pandemic like that, the pandemic happens because a virus enters the population that no one's immune system has ever seen before. So as soon as some people's immune system starts to see it, they start to deal with it. The virus becomes less virulent. It becomes more contagious. 
the virus goes through the entire population. And by the way, all colds are coronaviruses. We've had coronaviruses forever. You didn't call them that. It's just a different strain. Um, and it's just how the organism looks versus like a wheel, which is another type of virus, right? The ones that look like a wheel. So I'm going to give people another little medical lesson here. I'm really getting off here in the medicine today. Oh, nice. The immune system. The way your immune system works is you have this gland in the middle of your body. So it's about right here around the solar plexus. It's called a thymus. The thymus gland trains cells in the immune system. These are called T cells. The T cell, the T stands for thymus. When you are young, the thymus gland is creating T cells. By the time you're 12 years old, the thymus gland starts to involute. Involute means it starts to turn to fat. By the time you're about 25, it's completely turned to fat. This is... So you don't make any more T-cells. Correct. So this is how the human body makes itself... Obs this is human obsolescence. This is how... This is how biology has decided how to get humans off the planet and make room for the next generation. So this gland involutes, but what you are left with, Matt, is about a 40-year supply of what we call novel T-cells. So a novel T-cell is a T-cell that has not been trained to attack a certain virus or bacteria. So you have these novel T cells, you get a cold, a portion of that population goes and says, okay, we'll become the T cells for this cold. So they can learn <clears throat> right. So those T cells go and become that. And now those T cells stay in your body forever. And if that cold ever comes back, those T cells are there. They're already trained. I know what this is. I can take care of this. When you're 25 and that gland involutes, so it might involute at 24 for you, 26 for somebody else, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. As that gland involutes and you make fewer T cells, you have about a 40-year supply. So when we look at a graph of the human immune system, think about an XY chart, XY graph. We got a line from the left, and that line is pretty flat. It's on just this very slight decline until you're about 64. Four years now, when you're 64, now think of that line on that graph heading down at about a 45 degree angle. The reason is because around 63, 64, 65, you have used up your entire population of novel T cells. New coming in. So you have nothing to battle novel. Remember, coronavirus is a novel virus. Remember the language they use, novel virus. <clears throat> you now have no novel T cells left. So there's nothing in your immune system to take on a new invader. This is why... 
it was killing people in nursing homes because they had no novel T cells there ready to battle a novel virus. This is also the reason why Corona meant nothing to kids, but we were still trying to vaccinate them. <clears throat> we're still trying to put an experimental drug with no long-term studies zero long-term studies we know nothing about the consequences long-term of using this drug we know that this disease is irrelevant to young people because they've got mountains of novel t-cells ready to just knock it out and we want to take the risk and inject them with this drug so all along how should we be treating covid immune system so there are things we can do to boost novel t-cells we can help people who are running out of t-cells make more t-cells huh. we can use things like uh, something called thymosin alpha uh, thymosin alpha one it's peptide which will create more t-cells thymosin beta uh thymosin beta four which creates more peptides or more t-cells um uh, the injections with uh, mistletoe, okay? Uh, and there are things that we now know through a, a friend of mine, his name is Greg Faye, and a doctor does research. He's now discovered that he's been able to reactivate the thymus gland. <clears throat> so you can reactivate the thymus gland. Wow, wouldn't that be something? Well, it's funny you mention that because the very drug that Greg used to reactivate the thymus gland, the FDA has now just put a 100% ban on it. Total ban. I'm sure this is a coincidence. Right. Sure, it's a coincidence, but it is now a criminal offense to use that drug. If a doctor wrote a prescription for that drug, other than its one on-label use, it's a criminal offense. Now, let's, let me remind you of something. All doctors are supposed to be able to use all drugs off-label. So if you go to your doctor and your doctor says, I think ivermectin will help you, even though ivermectin was not indicated for COVID, your doctor has the right to use that. Because your doctor is supposed to have the flexibility of making decisions for the patient. Except the government came along and said, no, we'll pull your license if you give patients ivermectin. They took the doctor's authority away from them. They've now taken the doctor's authority away to say, well, you know what? Let's, let's bring some life back to your thymus gland. Because we can do that. Well, here's the downside of bringing the thymus gland back to life. When you bring the thymus gland back to life, what happens? People get younger and they live longer. It actually extends life. Dr. Fay has been able to prove in his study, and if folks, if you ever want to look it up, it's called the TRIM protocol. You can Google it, and TRIM is spelled T-R-I-I-M. And Dr. Fay, during the TRIM protocol, was able to reverse the age of human DNA by an average of two and a half years in one year. 
So I want you to think about this. A group of patients enroll in a study. In one year, at the end of that study, their DNA is now two and a half years younger than the day they started, which means three and a half years younger than the day they started. Well, my goodness, I got to believe our government would want everybody to do this, wouldn't they? You would think. I mean, why would we not want our citizens to feel younger and be healthy? Live longer. Or live longer. Last comment, Medicare. Medicare, mandatory Medicare is 65. That's what they tell you, right? Right. What, what did we say about the word mandatory? <laughs> it's not a law, is it? <clears throat> you don't have to go on Medicare. You can have private insurance. But you you believe, because it's mandatory, you believe you have to go on Medicare. <clears throat> when you go on Medicare, what are you? You are now a burden on the federal government. So where's the incentive to keep you alive? This is animal farm. We were born as individuals. We were born to live in the wild. We were born to be lions. Instead, we're being treated like farm animals. And we're being treated like farm animals for the purpose of, we'll keep you alive on the farm as long as you're useful to the farm. And when you are no longer useful to the farm, when the horse can no longer pull the plow, let's go shoot the horse in the head. As long as you can pay taxes and you can do a job and you can put money into, the, into this government, you're useful. When you retire and you go on Medicare, other than once every two to four years, we need a vote from you. You have no value to this government. You're not paying us taxes unless you're wealthy. You're not paying us taxes. And you're draining our system. Right now, the top 1% in America lives an average of 14 years longer than the bottom 40%. 14 years. 14-year gap in, in age. <clears throat> Why is there a 14-year gap? Because people at the top, Two things. One, they can afford health care. Two, they make better decisions throughout their life. Because there's a reason that you're a millionaire. You're a self-made millionaire because you made a lot of good choices. So we tend to see that the wealthier and more educated someone is, the less likely they are to be overweight, the less likely they are to have diabetes, way less likely they are to smoke cigarettes. And the more likely they are to regularly see physicians and head diseases off, not wait until they've got stage four cancer to go see the doctor. <laughs> That's the typical guy thing of, you know, I don't need to go see a doctor. No, let's wait till the disease is ready to kill us. Then we'll go see the doctor. And this is what people are doing. Matt, I'm going to bring up one last thing, and we're going to get out of here. Okay. Uh, this weekend, this past weekend, I was at Pittsburgh International Speedway. Pittsburgh International Raceway, yep. and it was my first attempt, as, as a lot of our people know, I drive race cars. I'm an amateur driver. This was my first attempt driving in a professional race. 
So that kind of takes the notch up and, you know, better cars, faster, so on and so forth. Uh, Three-day event. We had two cars. Um, admittedly, I hit the wall in uh, my car on Friday. Scary. In some practice sessions, I hit the wall at somewhere between 100 and 110 miles an hour. <clears throat> uh, hit like 20 Gs when I hit the wall. And by the way, science used to believe that the human body couldn't handle more than 19 Gs, actually. We now know better. So to explain that, 20 Gs means that the, the pressure on my body going up against the safety harness would be 20 times my weight. So it would be like 4,000 pounds. It'd be like laying 4,000 pounds on my back. So at any rate, hit the wall, walked away, um, no injuries. All the safety gear did its job. Racing is an incredibly safe sport nowadays with all the safety gear we have in the roll bars. As you saw pictures of the car, even the car is not that bad. Just a bunch of sheet metal, some motor mounts, a radiator, no big deal. <clears throat> Anyways, raced uh, our backup car on Sunday. Um, I took first place in my first professional race, which is pretty unusual. And I won the Guinness World Record. Woohoo, that's a big deal. So my Guinness World Record is I am now the oldest professional rookie race car driver in the world and in history. It's so cool. Now there's a reason I did that folks. The reason I did that is because I want people to know that age is not a barrier. I only started racing. I only started driving on a track, I think eight years ago. Yeah. And I only started actually taking classes to learn how to drive in 2019. So it was the year before COVID when I took my first classes. So 19, 20, 20, so four years, right. five Not years. Not counting COVID. <clears throat> there was a lot going on then. But race season all ran through COVID. That was one of the beauties of it is racers didn't care. We all showed up and none of us had masks on and we raced and none of us died from it. So at any rate, <clears throat> um, that's the message I want people to understand. There is a... I believe the quote was from Confucius or Buddha. And the quote is, he who has his health has a thousand dreams. He who does not has but one. Where I'm going today. Nice. You need to take care of yourself. You need to be responsible for your health. You need to be willing to invest in your health. You need to understand that insurance companies and Medicare are not going to provide you what you need. You need to understand that it is not your doctor's job to keep you healthy, no more than it is your plumber's job to make sure your drain's working. If your drain plugs up, the plumber's going to come out after it plugs up and come out and fix it. Yep. Your doctor is a mechanic. Well, a dear friend of mine is a cardiologist, and he calls himself a human plumber. <laughs> Because he does interventionary cardiology. So what does he do? He goes he goes in a vein with a little tiny fiber optic and clears out an obstruction and puts a stent in. And he, and he literally says, I'm a plumber. I'm a plumber that works on humans. And what does the other type of cardiologists call themselves? Electricians. Because their work, a pacemaker. What What is installing a pacemaker? It's an electrical problem. I'm an electrician. 
They've got their heart has an electrical problem. I'm going to put a little electric booster in their heart to so that their heart's electrical problem is solved. These they're mechanics. They're great mechanics and we need them, but they're not responsible for your health. You're responsible for your health. Uh, any last thoughts on your part, Matt? No, I'm going to have a bunch of links in the uh, the show notes for SOT. And there's a lot of the stuff we talked about. There's a, that uh, study. The Prim protocol. Prim protocol study. I'll have links in there. It's a lot of good reading for our listeners who do like to learn. Trim protocol is amazing. Yep. Folks, pay attention. Whatever this government is telling you, especially when it comes to your health, think of it as when you hear it, think of it. This is probably opposite day. So whatever they're telling you, you probably want to at at least don't believe it and go check for yourself, but pretty much assume that it's probably wrong and don't use Google to go check it because Google is feeding you the government line. And I'm going to throw this experiment out. Go Google anything. Go out and put anything into Google. Then go put the exact same term into, into DuckDuckGo and look at the difference of the results you get. You will be shocked to find out, oh, wow, this is a whole different group of results. Because DuckDuckGo is not curating the outcomes. Google is curating the outcomes. If you like today's show, make sure you leave us five-star review wherever you get podcasts, send links to other people, and we will see you next week on Blunt Force Truth.